talk to me about rock and roll. I'm out there in the clubs and on the streets, and I'm living it. I am rock and roll. Nobody worries about kids listening to thousands, literally thousands of songs about heartbreak, rejection, pain, misery, and loss. And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too, with a little thing called MTV! Did I listen to pop music because I was miserable? because I listen to pop music. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our brand new show, On the Record. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number one, Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen. This is very exciting. New territory for us. Yes. Okay. And just to be clear, this does count as our 21st Give Us a Second. So there you go, for those (laughs) keeping track at home. Yeah. Just to make things as confusing as possible... Just throwing in all kinds of different episode numbers, and <laughs> it's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> Nobody that but us. That should be our new mini so sure. title. Yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, that yeah, that summarizes our entire run in the podcasting world, <laughs> right? Even beyond this podcast, going back a decade or so ago when we were doing other ones or whatever. And oh wow, yeah, I was randomly are. thinking of like the killer cinema days recently. I'm never not thinking about them. Yeah, it's, well, sometimes you you thought you blacked it out a little bit, but <laughs> there was some good content, you know. Those are proud of a multimedia moments. establishment. Yeah, we were trying to be the ringer. Uh, we were much better than the ringer. We were. Pre- I can say that ringer. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely better than the ringer. So, for anyone who may have missed our announcement in the taxi driver episode. On the Record is our new podcast within a podcast within a podcast where we're going to talk about albums that we love, albums that we have strong opinions about, interesting stories, whatever, different ones that we pick. It's kind of a new idea. I think that the first few episodes that we try in this respect are going to be test episodes to see how it goes. We will still be doing regular Give Us a Second episodes at various points, and this will have no impact on the regular show yeah. either. Okay. So it's just kind so of don't a worry. Yeah. new and different thing if you're into music and want to hear our voices even more than you already do. I will say, while we're talking about Bruce Springsteen, probably one of my great regrets or maybe great failures not going to that The River tour that show that kicked off in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I feel like we should have gone to that, you know? Well, our lives are dotted with should-haves and could-haves. What-ifs. All kinds (laughs) of... That replacement show that never came to be. Well, that wasn't our fault. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Maybe we'll do a replacements record in the future on this show. All right. For now, we're talking about Born to Run. As always, follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on iTunes and continue to spread the word. Hopefully, this goes well. If not, just give us a we'll chance see. to figure this out. I'm We're not a little entirely sure about it, but yeah, I think it'll be okay. <laughs> it's a new adventure. We've talked about episodes of television. We've talked about movies. We've even done a couple wrestling-themed overarching stories yeah people are like where is the demand for that <laughs> i'll tell you they do great download numbers yeah, for us do. all right so audio commentaries from time to time right. and we have talked about music in a 
certain way. Yeah, we've tried to incorporate it. It's never quite took. We did a couple of Give Us a Second episodes on music, and we've also tacked it on to regular episodes Although way back I, in the you day. You know, I stand by that Kesha episode. All right, well. So there you have it, people. Yeah. So what better album to start with for On the Record than Born to Run, possibly my favorite album ever. Wow. Certainly up there. So there you go. Yeah. I have the words Born to Run tattooed on my ribcage. Doesn't really look like Born to Run anymore, though. A lot of people seeing that tattoo these days? Not really, but... No. A lot of weight has been put on since I got this tattoo. <laughs> it's expanded a Doesn't little bit. Doesn't quite look the, the same. The font size has increased. <laughs> a lot different than what it was way back in right. 2007 or whatever gotcha. that was. I love the song Born to Run. That <laughs> has Just dynamite content how about so that? far. Yeah. <laughs> it was always a big song for me. The album I never really fully listened to until I started getting into the whole vinyl scene probably like 2009 it was one of the first ones i bought i think okay wow so how about that i don't know for me i think we talked about this in the days and confused episode where at a certain point in my life you just kind of start listening to classic rock and right. whatnot but bruce springsteen was never quite a part of it most of the classic rock i was listening to was more like late 60s yeah same when i went through that phase bruce was not a part of it in fact one of my first girlfriends she was into all this stuff the whole classic rock stuff but she did have the bruce springsteen wrinkle and i was always like i, I don't know i don't know if it's for me <laughs> <laughs> well it's just an interesting catalog to approach because yeah. depending on what you're exposed to or when in life you're experiencing right. it, you kind of get this idea of what Bruce Springsteen is like, and yet a lot of his albums are very different from each well, other. There's the a thing. lot of different eras. I think going into Bruce Springsteen, I always just pictured Born in the USA, Blinded by the Light, or whatever. <laughs> you know? Uh, two very different sounding songs. Right. But, okay. No, the, And two songs that I think are pretty lame. You know? So it's like... I disagree 100% on both counts. Okay. Well, I am a pretty big Bruce Springsteen fan at this point. I still don't really like either of those songs. Well, Born in the USA is a song about coming home from Vietnam and the poor treatment of the soldiers by America, who was very anti-war, obviously. Wah. <laughs> I get it. Come on. Yeah. But well, they play are... it at every friggin' 4th of July event. Well, I think you people know. obviously... Have misappropriated yeah, what right. that song was about because of the synths. Yeah, the synth era for Springsteen's not my favorite in yeah. terms of the sound. Although I do and think any, Born in the USA know, is a great album. I think there's been some people who have done it better, like Miley Cyrus with a party in the USA, you know? <laughs> That's just a straight-up party song. Right. Blinded by the Light is, like Bruce's version specifically, which has more verses than the cover by Manfred Mann, it is kind of just like swallowing a thesaurus and a rhyming dictionary and then just throwing a bunch yeah. of words out that you have to try to interpret even what any of the verses are trying right. to say. Well, it, I it's mean, a little much, but I, I always liked it, though, because it's just kind of a weird song. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of this time period where this thinking is coming from was when I was in, like, 10th grade. So, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about songwriting and like storytelling songwriting or have like an appreciation for it at that juncture of my life well what happened with blinded by the light was he had a collection of songs that was going to become his debut album greetings from asbury park new jersey and the label was like well we don't hear a single here 
So he just took a rhyming dictionary and literally wrote Blinded by the Light in like a couple of right. minutes, just okay. throwing a bunch of words yeah. with a catchy chorus. And it really wasn't a hit for him at all. It became a number one hit for Manfred Mann later with their weird oh, gotcha, techno-y right. version yeah. or whatever you want to say. But yeah, his first two albums are much more singer-songwriter type. The Wild, the Innocent, and the Eastern Shuffle, probably his most overlooked album and is definitely a classic album. However, neither album captured the imagination of the public. They weren't successes really at all. Okay. Critically, they were both well-reviewed. However, no one seemed to care. And Born to Run became this attempt at pursuing the mainstream. And it's oddly kind of the perfect transition record from those first two, especially Wild Innocent and the E Street Shuffle were these long songs, long stories with all these characters and... I don't know. He kind of took that and, for the most part, honed those down into shorter songs, right. but also combined the songwriting techniques that would become more apparent on Darkness on the Edge of Town and The River and Nebraska yeah. and Born in the USA. Just, so it's like this combination of that right. early stuff and then what would come later. And he was obsessed with that wall of sound made famous by Phil Spector. And you can hear it, especially on the song born to run even more so than the other tracks on the album where oh, they just sure. layered it over right, and over right, and yeah. over so there's no gaps in the sound at all i mean they're f- using <laughs> a fucking glockenspiel to go along with like the guitar notes that like ding 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 yeah it's crazy there's so much going on in it it's so crazy and yet these songs were by far more accessible than the first two albums and there was a, a real effort to make them more universal yeah Instead of While so still sort of blending a lot of different styles into one album. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, that's kind of what's cool about music from that time period as compared to now is you were able to experiment more. Oh and yeah, there was a more eclectic sound even within one specific genre. So all under the guise of rock and roll, he's got all these different ideas all on one album, and it all made sense and was fine. Now right. it's like. Could you imagine a rock band trying to write songs like this now? I mean, there'd be no even hint of commerciality. It's hard for me to even picture a rock band like if putting out word. an album now. I, I mean, I know, I know <laughs> it's valid. Still, yeah, I know it still happens, but it's just hard to even think about it in the way that it used to be. So, Born to Run was the last attempt for Bruce to to break through. It was released on August 25th, 1975. It what took, do you mean he was going to give up after this? <sighs> that's the narrative that people put out there now. I don't know if that's... Who knows? Yeah. But, I mean, I think he was frustrated with... He would have just been like Southside Johnny. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit more well-known. But, right. I mean, I think there was frustration with the lack of traction for the first two albums. Right. Not it's kind of like this podcast, you know? <laughs> Not that many people outside if of this fucking the minisode area. new series doesn't take this is our last gasp yeah. at trying to break through, yeah. and it's by far our worst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listening to us talk about music, it's got to be how desperate are you <laughs> to fill up some time <laughs> yeah. in your life? Seriously, because that's like even mo- it's therapeutic for us because I think we we've talked a lot well, over true. the last couple of years of our declining interest in music in general. Yeah, it is weird. I I have had a spark again recently of kind of just playing music. What were you playing? Well, this album, you know. <laughs>
Yeah. No, I with I, the regular show, it gives us an excuse to go back and rewatch movies that we may not think to rewatch. Whereas this might give us opportunities to re-listen to albums we haven't listened to that's in a right. while. And I was playing my guitar again. Oh my god! Yeah, I was <laughs> learning songs from A Star Is Born. <laughs> You're gonna be showing up at like high school talent shows, yeah. <laughs> reading the newspaper. <laughs> so Born to Run has eight tracks comes in at just under 40 minutes and it's a quickie yeah. yeah it's it's really just emblematic of the perfect rock and roll record because i do think that he probably had enough space on a vinyl lp without making it a double to add another song or two and they did have outtakes that would you know later be released and whatnot but they stuck to these eight he's always been very discerning about what tracks are going to make an album because Especially with Dar- I do like Darkness on the him. Edge of Town, yeah. they had a lot of tracks, and a lot of them are really good songs, and it's just like, nope, this doesn't fit the yeah. album. Which I do, so they just didn't put them on it. I do like that about him. I also like how he is so into the art of the set list and crafting it specifically for each night. Yeah, the E Street Band and Bruce Springsteen, it's, they've always been famous for long live shows and set lists that aren't set in stone by any means. Lots of variables. Right. And on any given night, the band is expected to remember how to play anything from the catalog because there might be some reason why he decides that he wants to play this song or that song or whatever. I think one thing that will become clearer as we go through these episodes of On the Record will be that there's no set formula for how we're going to approach an album. And for this particular album, Born to Run, since there's only eight tracks and each of them means something different to me. I feel like we can go track by track, similarly to how we go through the plot when we're doing a movie or something, but that's not necessarily how we're going to do every album. I think for this first one, it's the best way to talk about each thing, and we kind of go from there. I think you know this is probably going to be educational for me. You probably have a lot of informational tidbits about these songs. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So the track one, side one, track one, Thunder Road... Unbelievable. <laughs> Definitely a, great song. a top five Bruce Springsteen song for me. It's hard for me to the say. The perfect opening song, maybe? Yes. For a lot of reasons. First of all, it serves as kind of an invitation to his fans, to yeah. his listeners, in the sense that it's literally an invitation to the character Mary in the song, but at the same time, it doubles as an invitation to the listener, like, come along for this ride that we're going to go on right. right now. And even like musically, it's starting off like the harmonica and stuff. I yeah. don't know. It just has like a, such a great lead in. Definitely one of the all-stars of this album is the pianist Roy Bitten, who plays piano on all the tracks. And the piano in Thunder Road and some of the other tracks that we'll get to later are just always on point. This song is named for the Robert Mitchum film, Thunder Road. Oh, all right. That's just where the name came from. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with that movie necessarily, but still cool. Bruce was always like a fan of those kind of old movies, and he just saw that title and thought it would be a good name. It placed number 86 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs. I would argue it should be a lot higher. I can't really imagine there's 85 better songs than this <laughs> out there. <laughs> I'm sure there was some real dumbass bullshit in that top oh, 85. Sure, yeah, but I mean, how do you even come up with those lists? I know. They love to come up with lists because those are just guaranteed things that people will buy. Right. They're like, all right, people will buy this stupid thing. (laughs) And in addition to it being an invitation, it's also kind of a welcoming to the album. And it sets the stage for this 
very theatrical presentation of eight tracks. I mean, yeah. each song is kind of its own movie in a way, but none more so than this one. I have like this weird complex, and I'm sure like a lot of people do it to some degree, but like always with music and, and albums and stuff, I don't know what it is, but I've always had like this math in my head of like where tracks go on the album, like sequentially. Uh-huh. Like there's songs that you hear and I'm like, that's a number two song. That's a number like, yeah, th- yeah, yeah. Thunder Road is definitely a number one. I don't know, like Born to Run always seemed like it, it would be like a number two to me. Now I know that there's certain things that go into the order on this album for a reason. Back when you were only worrying about how it was going to fit on a vinyl LP, right. he chose to have Born to Run kick off side two yeah. of the album. But yeah, the order of these songs always confuses me. I always remember that 10th Avenue Freeze Out is the second track. I yeah. always know that. Right. But track three always throws me for a loop. I'm always confused. And then She's the One being like buried further down in the album always confuses me too because I always expect that to come up as like... Yeah, track three kind of seems like a track five to me and I don't really have any more explanation than that. <laughs> But I think, you know, we should stay on Thunder Road yeah, for please. a second because it is probably one of the better songs. Absolutely. And I'm always reminded of the song book that Nick Hornby came out with when he talks about all these different songs that he likes. Right. The chapter on Thunder Road and how it's the song he's listened to more than any other out of any song ever. And it feels differently hearing it when you're in your 20s versus when you're in your 30s when sure. you're 40s and yeah. even later into your 50s and 60s it always evolves and it's one of those songs that you can project your own meaning onto it and there's just something universal about that one last chance to make it real kind of thing true yeah <laughs> and this idea of mary which there are just some great one-liners in this song <laughs> Yeah, it's always funny that he says, you ain't a beauty, but hey, you're all right. (laughs) (laughs) Which, Which, what girl doesn't want to hear that? uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The ending of the song is just, it's so unbelievably good. They haunt this dusty beach road in the skeleton frames of burned out Chevrolets. I mean, come on. Right. You can't write better lines than that. And it ends with it's a town full of losers. And right? I'm yes, out of here a to great win. a reference to our script that never took off. <laughs> right, it hasn't taken off yet. For our listeners who are unsure of what we're talking about, we have a an unproduced script, yeah, as right. I like to call it, <laughs> yeah. called "A Town Full of Losers," which really didn't have anything to do with what the movie was about. No, we just <laughs> it was just a title. Knew that lyric from a song and thought it would fit well. After Thunder Road comes 10th Avenue Freeze Out. Have you checked like out... F- oh, what? Go ahead. Have you checked out any of this Springsteen on Broadway, either on Netflix or the I, album itself on I have Spotify? to say, I started watching it on Netflix. Wasn't loving it. I listened to the album. I have not watched the Netflix thing. I was weeping several times. Really? Just openly. Wow. But anytime they get to 10th Avenue Freeze Out, it's a tearjerker. Because yeah. it's basically the formation of the E Street Band, but it, in the years True. since his death it's a tribute to clarence right also to danny federici the organ player from the e street band who also passed away clarence obviously the big man gets his own shout out in right. the song and they turn that into a whole that thing always jumps live out. performances yeah. and the crowd always goes crazy for it and it's just i can't even i can't even but again like <laughs> when you talk about like genres and stuff this song almost feels it has like a funk feel to it you know yeah and it's just all over the place 
it's a party song. It has this lively right. atmosphere, and it's a song that was basically recorded to be played live. I might be wrong, but I want to say when Springsteen and the E Street Band played the Super Bowl, yeah. they played Ten Thousand. It was they so. opened with yeah. it. Yeah, so they played that and Born to Run. Right. Yes. And I somehow think Working on a Dream was in there. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Oh boy. But I don't know. I mean, I, I can understand people not being into the whole Springsteen on Broadway thing. I, I've definitely heard some valid criticisms of it in general, which is basically he's pretending to tell these stories for the first time, as if this is not okay, a rehearsed right. yeah. thing that he's doing over and over and over every night. But I enjoyed the album. I, I don't know what the Netflix special is like. It's probably the there same thing. There was something, uh, you know, I, I didn't hate it, but there was something about the vibe of it. It kind of felt like this forced poetry reading or something like it it felt it had a really awkward tempo to me yeah and i mean i think part of it's probably the crowd not knowing what they're in for when they're going to this because nobody really before it happened i don't know if people really knew what yeah this was gonna be i'm definitely willing to give it another shot too you know sometimes it's not there for me the first time but yeah his the performances of thunder road on there and 10th avenue freeze out were both kind of emotional just talking about the things outside the songs itself. And there's not a whole lot to take from 10th Avenue Freeze Out. The actual phrase, 10th Avenue Freeze Out, no one knows what that means, including Bruce himself, who just says it doesn't really mean anything. It's just a thing. So there you go. It's just a fun song, and it transitions into track three, which is called Night and is my least favorite song on the album by about a million percent. Okay, I think Night is shockingly catchy. It's not a terrible song. It just, for me, it shares too many similarities with Born to Run. It's like a homeless man's Born to Run. (laughs) That's true. I can see that, yeah. (laughs) It starts very similar. The themes of the song are kind of similar. That's true, yeah. And it's kind of, I don't know, if you have more to say about it, for me, it's kind of just a forgettable track. See, I kind of, when that song comes on, if I'm listening to this album straight through, I'm always like, it is forgettable. Like, I forget that it's there, but it comes out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this song's on this album, too, and this is a pretty catchy song, I think. Well, they were still playing it live occasionally up until recently, although you could probably say that about almost any Bruce song. They, well, they what still does break that it mean? Out. They were still playing it live until recently? Yeah, even on, like, the most recent tours. I mean, it's an album cut. It's not like it's right. a single. Oh, but they yeah. were still breaking it out at shows and right. stuff. And, until it's, a, it's a popular live I song. I thought you were saying, like, until recently so now they'll never play it again no no i mean uh, I, he hasn't done a tour with right the e street band in a while yeah. but up so until this the was most appearing tours, yeah on yeah. some of the set lists. okay yeah it's one of those tracks maybe even similar to 10th avenue freeze out in the sense that it's a staple of live performances but it's it's not necessarily right held up in as high of regard as do some you of the have other anything ones. on the like characters in these songs and like what the stories are supposed to be for which ones well i don't even remember the characters are there are there characters in night i don't know i I don't really know a lot of that like folklore behind like these songs i don't really think they're real people or anything like that i mean i know like i know that there's certain songs where you kind of know the backstory like the river or whatever but the the name mary and thunder road in the early versions that were being played live when it was called Wings for Wheels or whatever, okay. the names were different. I mean, there was gotcha. Christina and Angelina and all these different names. And right. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really know, like, the details of a lot of those stories or what what it's supposed to be. But I well, will I'll, say... the next track, we can talk a lot about the name. Okay. Because I will <laughs> say, it's one thing that I think about when listening to Springsteen songs is just, like, I'm constantly thinking that, like, being friends with these people would be, like, exhausting. 
Like, there's always, like, a rush to, like, like, it always seems like people are just showing up and being like, let's go, we gotta head to the edge of town, like, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of, like, impulsive people hanging out in these, in this universe. Yeah, and I, well, I think the desperation and For sure. the impulsiveness was kind of ingrained in the whole idea behind the album, which was breaking out of a small town and right. trying to make it big. I mean, there's no punk rock ethos with Springsteen ever. There's never a hidden agenda. It's from greetings from Asbury Park to Wild Innocent and Street Shuffle to Born to Run. The story is the same. It's like, I want to get out of this and I want to make it big. <laughs> That's true. There's no hiding it, really. And Sometimes that honesty can kind of be refreshing. There's no put on about right. what we're trying to yeah. do here. By Ooh. the way, it worked out. Yes. I mean, he has got to be so friggin' rich. Yeah. The next track is my favorite Bruce Springsteen song, I think, even more so than Thunder Road. I think this is number one for me. Yeah. Overall, Backstreet's just unbelievable. Really, <laughs> probably one of my favorite instrumental buildups to a song. That whole beginning. A minute-long right. piano-led instrumental intro, Roy Bitten on the piano and the organ, I believe, or, or something, or the keyboards. I love that part. I read in a book once, it was a book about Springsteen songs, and I think the quote was like, that introduction says more about heartbreak than like any words you could put together. <laughs> All right, yeah. <laughs> the one down I have for this song is, I, I don't First know. of all, how dare you, but okay. <laughs> Well, I just, in music, I've always kind of been off-put when one line is repeated, like, so many times. Okay. I've never been a fan of that, <laughs> and they do that in this song. I feel like that eliminates, like, 90% of music. Well, that's why I don't really like music. <laughs> I don't get, I, I don't know, I just feel like yeah, there's room to... Yeah, but you haven't, to... you probably have not heard the specific bootlegs that I'm going to be bringing Okay, up that's shortly. true, yeah. Which kind of which I'm open build to, by into the way. these incredible and I things. do like I do really like this song, by the way. I mean, jeez. The first thing we'll talk about with Backstreets is the sexually ambiguous nature of the name Terry. Right. There have long been thoughts and discussions and debates amongst Springsteen fans as to what this means. Is this a song about a homosexual couple? Is Terry a man or a woman? Or could it even be like a lesbian couple? Two women? Could it be a sure, man and a woman? Yeah. Could Bruce Springsteen is the warmest color? <laughs> we don't know. Right. Although, if you go back and you listen to some of the live performances of this song throughout the late 70s on the Darkness on the Edge of Town tour, he does refer to the character as her and she and girl and all this stuff. So it's clear that the original idea was that Terry was a girl. Yeah. But I do think that it's possible that... It's left vague so that the listener, whether they're a straight man, a gay man, a straight woman, a gay woman, whatever, can project their own story onto this song. Sure. Everyone it's can left relate. wide open. Yeah. Terry could be a man or a woman. The narrator could be a man or a woman. And Bruce himself has said that the song is really about the end of an intense friendship. So take from that what you will I wow. mean, does that mean sex is involved there the words intense friendship what does that mean to you <laughs> yeah even the song itself is kind of left a little vague as to the nature of the relationship i think at one point he says slow dancing in the dark which you would imply would mean like a sexual relationship but i'm thinking yeah at times he does say like we swore forever friends that's part of it i mean so it's like you don't really know exactly what the relationship is and who these people are 
Needless to say, it's about something ending and all of the pain that comes with that. Well, I can certainly relate to that. I love the lyrics up and down this album, but especially on this song, just kind of this theatrical nature of everything. He's, you know, he's talking about like the Duke Street Kings or whatever. He's just like yeah. saying all this shit. And you're like, I'm not entirely sure what that means, but it sounds cool. Right. And this song is the conclusion of side one of the record. And it, it works as this great. It does feel like a finisher. Yes. But this seems like. If you were not following the Bruce Springsteen model of kind of always doing like different set lists and probably like different orders, I just feel like this could always just be the closer. Like you could identify this as one that's like, yeah, we yeah I don't think he, uh, he really ever used it as a closer, really. Yeah. But they did play it when I saw the E Street Band, I think in 2008, I think okay. it was when I saw them. That came because that was the tour where he was taking one request from a sign and some little girl had backstreets on a sign i'm sure like her dad or somebody wow. put it on there it was kind of a weird thing because backstreets is a song that they were playing anyway sometimes so to to use our request for that one yeah, a song true. They were playing yeah. anyway but i didn't care because it's my favorite one right. i was happy that he played it because i don't think they even played thunder road on that show so oh well that's a bummer so yeah getting backstreets i mean he's got like a lot of songs <laughs> They That's don't true. all get played every night. <laughs> I get it, yeah. There's only a couple that were getting played every night because he was touring the album Magic, so a lot of the songs from Magic were getting played. And Oh, boy. Magic was like a pretty good album. Okay. It's probably the best of the... The new era? The recent era. Right. I got super into this song as time went on in my fandom of Bruce Springsteen because there were certain websites, I'm sure they still exist now, oh, no. where, where you going? could download tons and tons and tons of bootlegs oh, for, gotcha. and it was yeah. all kind of on the up and up because bruce like allowed it it was like a thing that was part of like i think grateful dead is probably the same way there's other right. acts that kind of just I think allow like Pearl it to jam happen. has done stuff like that too yeah where they don't really want people selling their bootlegs because that used to be a whole thing now that's, right that seems unfathomable in 2019 that that was an industry yeah. but there was literally stores about you know, yeah, there bootleg. were stores at malls that sold just bootlegs of concerts. I mean, it was just a crazy thing back in the day. And now that doesn't even seem remotely believable. But I know, it is nuts. In order to combat that kind of stuff, certain acts would allow their shows to be taped as long as it was traded for free. Like, there there was no money involved right. in it anywhere. So, You're not going to sell it out of the back of your car in some parking lot. Right. And... So I downloaded lots of different classic bootlegs, like fan favorite bootlegs. And Although stuff, the person and selling those bootlegs seems like they could be a character in a Bruce Springsteen song. Maybe meeting across the river. Yeah. During the late 70s, after Darkness on the Edge of Town, when they would play Backstreet's live, they would play all the way up until that build up, that part that you may have been referencing, where he's like, you know, where it builds up and builds up, where he's saying, like, hide on the back. Right. Yeah. Like, all the way right before that part. And then they would launch into this piano instrumental thing where he would kind of sing this other song in the middle of Backstreet's. Gotcha. And that song at the time, and henceforth from that moment, became known as Sad Eyes or different names or whatever. Is this a not a released song? Well,. A lot of the lyrics that he would sing and that would go on to become Drive All Night on the album The okay. River. Yeah. And so he would play like this whole other song in the middle and then at the end of that song it transitions back into that hiding on the back. Oh, wow. Like it'd yeah. come back to it like this weird thing. 
It's so good. <laughs> I mean, if you're just no, like, that sounds compelling. I'm by that part, you're like blown away yeah. by it. I don't know. Bands have done stuff like that. Counting Crows would sometimes play their song Rain King, and then they would play like Thunder Road, like in the middle of it, oh, and then wow. come back to it. And like, I'm De- interested in that. Deftones used to do that with like Weezer songs in that time period oh, wow, when Weezer weird. was like inactive. Yeah. And so Weezer was kind of this legendary thing before the Green Album. And right. Everyone realized that, you know, they're not really that cool. <laughs> but like in that time period after Pinkerton, when Weezer was like, like a folk CDs legend kind of thing. On. I don't know. I've seen people do it, but Bruce did it with his own stuff. And the whole Sad Eyes interlude thing was like unknown. It was, it was unreleased at that time. It wasn't a song. So it was just this other song within a song. And those bootlegs are awesome. You can like look them up, look up those oh, sure. performances on yeah. YouTube right. and stuff. Which brings yeah, us I'll do some deep dives. Yeah. It brings us to side to kicking off That's all I need is something like this to, you know, get me going. I just need a, a a little nudge in the right direction, you know? Yeah, just look up like Backstreet's Sad Eyes. Well, after we saw fucking Bohemian Rhapsody, I went back and watched a bunch of old Queen performances. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Kicking off side two is the title track, Born to Run, Wall of Sound influence. Yeah. For sure. Music critic Robert Criscow called it the fulfillment of everything Be My Baby was about and lots more. I was like unsure if Phil Spector produced this. I was like, this might be a weird album for us to kick off with if he was actually directly involved with this album, but he really wasn't. It was just an influence. Number 21 on the Rolling Stone, greatest songs of all time. Yeah, this one for me, I mean, it's just always been like this is one of those few songs that I just feel like I've liked it my whole life. Which I don't really have that feeling about a lot of songs, you know? I want to know if love is wild, Matt. I want to know if love is real. Yeah. Just the changes in this song. Like, the changes in, like, tempo and the explosion of sound at different points. I don't know. And the actual melody is just so catchy, too. Yeah, and if you look up Anthem in the dictionary... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Right. ...to see also Born to Run. Yes. I mean, it's just... It's so perfect. It's like, really, what can you say about it? It just fits everything all together. There's the imagery of the cars and the beaches and the town and getting out of the town. It it touches on the same motifs as Thunder Road, but kind of more in your face. And And just like that whole, the whole pacing of the way that he's like kind of talk singing or whatever through as he does through a lot of the beginning, but then like when the music kicks up and he's got to like sit, start singing a little higher and everything, you know, yeah. I don't know. It just, everything comes together perfectly for me in that song. Yeah. I don't think that there's necessarily a whole lot that we're going to be able to add to <laughs> right. born to run. Yeah. It is what it is. It's the best that you could get as far as seventies classic rock. And I think this album and this song and, and Bruce Springsteen in general continue to influence every new generation that comes along. It's just a matter of how long does it take to experience it. You oh, know what right. I mean? Yeah. Like, eventually everyone will get there to where they hear this stuff. And then once you hear it, it becomes part of your. Yeah, you know, like revisiting base. a lot of this music and when we were talking about it for Days of Confused and now just doing like Bruce Springsteen so quickly after that, it kind of had me thinking about classic rock radio stations uh-huh. that existed in the 90s and early 2000s and stuff where some dude basically would just start like a classic rock station. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just such a weird thing to have. Like, oh, yeah, every day at noon we're, we play two Led Zeppelin songs. Get like, the lead out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just like maybe that was like another life for me. At well, one I do I think, think that we are living 
in the moment that we created for ourselves, which is that nothing can ever be good. Right. And it's our own fault as human beings for never letting go of the past. And almost immediately, you start to live in that idea that no one will ever be as good as the Beatles. And then it just goes from there. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, well, no one's going to be as good or as cool as the Rolling Stones. And then no one's going to be as cool or as good as Led Zeppelin. And then you just... All of a sudden now, Rock here we dead. are, like 50 <laughs> like, years you know, later. Yeah, that and, getting thrown around all the time. And part of it is that styles change, and yeah. inevitably hip-hop took the place of rock and roll, and something will probably take the place of that over time, and that's right. just the way things go. And Who knows? It's cyclical. People thought rock was dead, certainly when hair metal was dominating the oh, charts. Oh, yeah, and right grunge came back but people were that the difference is people were actually buying hair metal albums there's no equivalency to modern right. day where people are actually buying it well where does emo related. fit into all this <laughs> that was the death rattle yeah it people had, were like if it wasn't dead before it's definitely <laughs> dead now it had a little bit of a an explosion under the scene but it's like you know none of that music is really going to live on in a way that its predecessors did i don't feel like I mean, there was only, well, like, the niche you, market You stuff, could make but. the argument that after, like, 1995, there was no more important new bands. I mean, yeah. people argue, like, the White Stripes or whatever. I don't know. There's always an argument for okay, certain yeah. bands, but I don't know. After It's the, very few anymore, for sure. I don't know. There will never be another Bruce Springsteen in our lifetime. Right. But, like I said, I mean, as long as the world doesn't end, things are cyclical and there could potentially be a day where this kind of music is popular again because you never know. Oh, yeah. Things that you think are completely dead and passe could come around again in some way, shape, or form. There's just so much content out there now. We talk about it with movies and Netflix and everything all the time, but for music even, it's just like so many people can just put stuff out there. One of the things that was like cool about bands was like this thing and like kind of almost like the marketing behind it even if it was like more of a natural thing and not constructed or whatever. But I just feel like it's so hard to even think about a band existing in that world now. Well, one thing that is talked about a lot on the Brady Salas podcast is the idea that people no longer have shared experiences because of the internet. Right. Meaning that 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever the big things were, they were the big things to everyone. Yeah. The big bands, the big movies, the big TV shows, whatever. And it was an idea of shared experience, meaning everyone had the same reference points. Everyone knew the same things. And we've been passed down those things, and those are the things that are considered yeah. classic, quote right. unquote. But nowadays, because of the internet, because of how splintered everything is, because there's nine million Netflix shows and there's so many different cable channels and they all come out with their own content and some of it's good and some of it's not good, but it's all mixed together and people are into different things. And there's so many different movies, most of which aren't that great, but whatever, like just there aren't shared experiences. And yeah. and the ones that are shared are pretty minimal. Like, I don't know, I would consider a star is born like a pretty big cultural moment of last year, but I don't know. There were probably, a lot of people that oh, didn't right. see it and will never see it and don't yeah. care. It's just it's different than how things. And were. don't even talk to me if you're one of those people. <laughs> By the way, right? But, but I, yeah. I mean, even just even and thinking about a band like like Radiohead, if uh -huh. they if they started like right now, they come out with like the same songs and everything. Right. I don't know. I just don't picture them becoming like this cool thing that they were. Well, yeah. Well, and part of that is because 
people don't care about rock music at all. Well, true, yeah. That's part of it. Because, I mean, you have all these different guys that get popular as far as, like, I don't know, whatever's yeah hot now. I don't know. Like, right now, yeah. Like, right now, Tom York would only be famous for doing the Suspiria soundtrack, which was awesome. <laughs> the next track on the album after Born to Run is She's the One. Another weird song that it got a lot of album rock radio play. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's kind of a, a another live staple. But it's also one of the more forgettable songs because the lyrics are kind of about this beautiful but cold woman and kind of dealing with that. But, like, they're I've very superficial. Yeah. It's the most superficial song, lyric-wise, probably on the album. You never get a sense of the characters or anything. It's It's more an homage to older rock songs like Buddy Holly, like... It's got that similar okay. beat to not fade away and all yeah. that stuff. And the riff in the song is very Bo Diddley-esque. And it's this homage to time gone by, by 75. So these you're talking at that point stuff from like the 50s and 60s or whatever. And Yeah, I don't know it, that it, I really it, have a lot to offer on It has this a one. killer sax solo, I will say. Oh, that. that's true. And that does, yeah, it pops for you. Yeah, it. and it's yeah. another fun live song. But as far as in-depth with the lyrics, it's it's very vague and yeah. you don't you don't get a you can't really sink your teeth into it but so that's track number six right yeah yeah and i do i like it more than night though but i kind of put those on like a same level okay so you really like the next song i do like the next song i don't know if i would say i really like the okay next song. but more so than those other two it's more interesting to me I okay don't know if I it would is necessarily want to listen to it over and yeah, over because it's more like a story than yeah. a song <laughs> it it just what's the name of it Meeting Across the River. Yeah, Meeting Across the River. So Meeting Across the River, to me, it just kind of feels like an excerpt from a jazz bar or something. <laughs> like jazz music is playing and some guys like talking on stage. That's what it yeah, reminds it's, me of. Yeah, it's a weird song about down and out low-level criminals and they're kind of talking about this vague big score that they're yeah. trying to make and they're clearly in over their it's heads. It's a cool concept. And there's a lot of desperation in it and he wants to succeed to keep his girlfriend and... <laughs> All these different things, but I you get can it. tell by the somber feel of the music that it's probably not going to be successful. Right. These guys <laughs> yeah. are probably doomed. And the song works as this bridge between the New Jersey-based songs of the rest of the album and then the New York City-based finale oh, true. of Jungle yeah. Inn at the end. So it's me- literally a meeting across the river. These guys probably from New Jersey going across the Hudson River into New York City. Right. And... It's a song that you kind of have to think about a lot to really latch on to. Springsteen always has this way with lyrics where he, if you actually break them down, you're like, well, there's not necessarily a ton of information here, yet he always figures out the right things to say so that you feel like you know the whole story. There was this book of short stories all by different writers who all wrote a story based off of this song that I read before and all their different takes on these characters, Eddie and... Gotcha. I think the girl's name yeah. is Cherry or something like that. and Cherry Valance. <laughs> yeah. And there's not a whole lot to say. It's very short, and it kind of leads into Jungle Land, which is the big finale of the album, close to 10 minutes long. Oof. Another yeah. great sax solo from Clarence, which is my favorite part of the song. For me, personally, not one of my favorite epic Springsteen songs. Although, I don't really as ever a need... fan favorite, yeah. it is... Definitely one of everybody else's okay. favorites. Yeah, I don't ever really need the the long ten minute songs. Well, he has other ones that are like this that are way better. In my okay, opinion. like gotcha. Incident on Fifty Seventh Street and 
New York City Serenade even from Wild Innocent and Easter Shuffle okay. are both ones I kind of prefer to this one. Now, Jungle Land kind of starts off sounding like the start of the album again. I feel like it starts on a similar beat. Not with like the harmonica, but like when he comes in with the singing. Yeah, well, there's a whole intro here with like piano and then like well, there's a violin part yeah. even at the beginning. But it's funny, like now we're at the city piece of it, but it's like the opening line of the album, the screen door slams. That definitely always has me picturing, like, the country, you know? Right, even though people in New Jersey probably have screen doors. I'm sure, too. yeah, but right. yeah, you but get like, that, that's like, like, Midwest that's feel. That's the imagery that I get from it. Yeah, you'd have a sense of, like, more in the Midwest with a big porch and Mary's kind of wearing, like, a, an old-fashioned dress. This yeah, This is right. Mary's dress waves. You kind of picture, like... A Terrence Malick Another, movie. Yeah, like <laughs> Days of Heaven or something. Right. Like you're picturing some different era yeah, almost. Yeah, true. Even though there's no real reason why. Right. And he's talking about Roy Orbison singing for The Lonely, the song Only the Lonely, which couldn't have been that old. I mean, it had to be at least the 50s, sure. I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't that know. dates it in some way. But right. And then, you know, now we get to this, we're in the city. Yeah. Jungle Land is kind of this fairy tale version of gangland violence in the city starring characters called rat and the barefoot girl well yeah it's such a it's a mixed bag because like if i listen to this whole album and i get into jungle land once i'm into it i'm fucking marking out for a few parts because there are great parts of jungle land but there are also other parts where you're like uh okay it's almost like the language is too colorful for what he's talking about because it eventually builds and builds and builds to rat's downfall at the end where it's almost like Omar from The Wire. Oh, man. Because he's talking about, like, no one even looks when the ambulance puts him in and oh, takes him away. Yeah. Like, no one even cares. Right. And it, it, you kind of get this sense that... Rat was this legend. Yeah, he's this legend, but only in this song, only right. in this moment. It, to the rest of society, no one even cared about this character. And it's kind of touching and interesting, but the language sometimes is too fluffy, almost. Like... It's hard to even decipher what's happening, and once you do, you're like, huh, well, why wouldn't you just say this more in a brutal way? So we well, and with some of this stuff, for me, like, I haven't spent, like, that much time with some of these songs, you know? Well, I have. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I've listened to Jungle Land, like, a decent amount of times, like, just putting this album on and stuff, but I, I haven't really, like, taken the time to, like, dissect what's going on with the lyrics, you know? Yeah. It falls into that poetic stuff that he was doing prior to Born to Run that he definitely got rid of by Darkness on the Edge of Town, which is much more straightforward stuff. He paints a picture of New York that's definitely in contrast to the New York that we saw in Taxi Driver, per se. (laughs) Right. Because this is the same time period. Yeah. Taxi Driver would come out a year after this album, and that's more of the seedy underbelly. Well, there is like a common theme of like New Jersey art of just like... New York City's right there, you know? Well, yeah. Like, yeah, that, yeah. that idea is, like, always there, it seems like. And so, in a way, with how bleak meeting across the river is and the end of Rat in Jungle Land, you kind of see maybe the downside of where these characters want to go earlier, like in Thunder Road and Born to Run, you know? Oh, for sure. The potential for disaster is always there, too. Right. It's not just going to be success. But for me, the album lives and dies in that first half because it has Thunder Road and Backstreets, which both would make my top five yeah. Bruce Springsteen this songs. Is, it is just a great rock album. 
when I think about all of the albums that I've played in my life, I mean, that's always going to like be one that pops up. It's like, I should just put this on. Yeah. Do you have a top five Springsteen songs? Oh, boy. I'd have to think about that. I mean... <laughs> I should have made you prepare this in advance because I'm yeah. thinking it would have been a good way to end this. Born to Run is probably in like my top five songs of all time. One of the first what about that... side one, track one of <laughs> <laughs> Beethoven's Fifth Symphony? Right. What is that joke for my fidelity? You know what I mean? <laughs> Could you be any more obvious? Right. I know, but that's the thing. It's like... I don't often think like, oh, I need to listen to Born to Run. It's just like certain songs that have like stuck with me like my whole life that I'm still like, yeah, that's a great song. Yeah, I mean, that a lot of my like favorite albums I don't listen to anymore. Right. Because you've you kind of reached that point where you don't need to because you've gotten it. But yeah, when you do come back for whatever reason, it's like putting on a comfortable yeah. pair of shoes or whatever. You're like, okay, this fits. Well, yeah. I mean, but I mean, if I was to make a top five Springsteen list, I mean, there's a very good chance that. Backstreet's Thunder Road and Born to Run are all on it. Okay. All right. So how about that? Yeah. I mean, I would have Atlantic City and The River both on it. Yeah. And that last spot, I want to say Racing in the Street from Darkness on the Edge of Town, but I'm not sure. I didn't prepare a list either. Yeah. Which, so who okay. knows? <laughs> Incident on 57th Street would be up there. Who knows? There's a lot of candidates. Yeah. I'd have to think about it. I but like the Tides that Bind. You know, that's kind of a random one. Right. The last thing I want to say is how do you get into music is always interesting to me. I made the case one time at a party to a friend of mine. We were doing our top favorite albums or some bullshit, you know, how the stupid yes, shit yes, we'd right. always yeah. talk about. And I, for whatever reason, was making this case as to why at the time Dude Ranch by Blink-182 oh boy. and yeah. Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen were like neck and neck at the top for me. Yeah. And this comes as funny to people who don't understand, but I would argue that the differences between those albums is what makes that make sense. Because there's no dressing that up to make that look better. It's just how it is. And for me, Dude Ranch is important because if I don't listen to Dude Ranch at the age that I listen to it and start liking it, I don't think I get to born to run when i do and like it the way that i do and even though those albums are not really similar at all and true are yeah. totally different kinds of music it's almost like listening to dude ranch changed what i was looking for in music right. and it led me down a certain path and there's a lot of different steps before you get to a born to run but that path that was created by dude ranch i think led directly to all the other stuff that i like later well, one of my and that's what's cool about music, and hopefully something we can explore more. Yeah, absolutely. On one of my problems throughout my life has been the inability to enjoy things over time. Mm. I have like a horrible, like shiny new toy syndrome. When something seems like cool and new and fresh to me, I just suck all the joy out of it, <laughs> and then it's just like left of just this like artifact. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I try to be like better about it, but I just have done that over time. So like. When I would fall in love with a song or an album, I would just fucking beat it to death. Right, yeah. You know? Like, I would live, like, all I listen to is Blink-182 all the time. Yeah. And then it's like you go through phases of your life where it's like, you know, it's hard for me to listen to Blink-182. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that, though. Yeah. It's just how humans are right. in their relationships with music. You find that new thing, and there's no reason not to play it for the 99th time right. a day. But <laughs> you like, just keep doing it. Anymore, and the, the older you get and the older I've got, 
it's harder and harder to even find those things that I'm into. And I know a lot of it is just part of the state of music currently and everything, but I don't know. It's hard for me to imagine something coming up now that I would be like so into and play like that much. There's songs. Sometimes I hear a song that I'm into, but like on an, like an album level. Yeah. I'm not seeing it. <laughs> you say this now as we <laughs> launch a show talking about albums. <laughs> So anyway, tune in for the next one, because I'm excited about this. So this is just episode one of what hopefully will be a recurring thing. I think secretly, privately, we're committing to at least ten of these. Wow. <laughs> I think that's what it was. Okay, right? I was, was thinking it, it was six? five. No, it was five each. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Gotcha. Christ. But yeah, this is just the first one, as we talked about at the top of the show, I think it's a feeling out process and so not everyone will be like this we're not going to go track by track necessarily it's it going to be how, we're going to have different approaches depending right. on the album and we don't have to defend the format to you okay <laughs> so stop demanding that <laughs> right from us yeah so be on the lookout for episode two somewhere down the line and remember to follow us on twitter at greatest pod subscribe on itunes thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Hey, can you lend me a few bucks? Tonight, can you get us a ride? Gotta make it through the tunnel Got a meeting with a man on the other side Hey, this guy, he's the real thing So if you wanna come along You gotta promise you won't say anything this guy don't dance And the word's been passed since our last chance We gotta stay cool tonight, Eddie Cause man, we got ourselves out on that line And if we blow this one they ain't gonna be looking for just me this time And all we gotta do is hold up our end You stuff this in your pocket It'll look like you're carrying a friend Remember, just don't smile Change the shirt Cause tonight we got started Cherry says she's gonna walk Cause she found I took the radio in hot day But Eddie man, she don't understand That two grand's practically Sitting here in my pocket Tonight's gonna be everything that I said And when I walk through that door I'm just gonna throw that money on the bed She'll see this time I wasn't just talking Then I'm gonna go out walking Hey, can you catch us around? 
Hey there, pretty lady. Ew. What? What are you hitting on me? Uh, I was just. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me put a stop to that little brain fart right now. Girls with asses like mine do not talk to boys with faces like yours. 